Tuesday night, Star Trek Discovery is back on the air, and that can only mean the triumphant return of Mission Log Live. I'm John Champion. And I'm Ken Ray. Tonight, as we do, we're breaking down the latest episode of Star Trek Discovery, Despite Yourself. Join us right now, won't you? You can do that by clicking on the meeting link from your PC or Mac, the Zoom meeting link, that is. That link is right there above and below and all around this video. You can also call us, 646-558-8656. That number again, 646-558-8656 from your phone. And then type in the meeting code that's on the screen. You can also use the one tap from your smartphone and be connected that way. Uh, Remember, those numbers change from week to week, so uh, don't commit them to memory, please. Now, there was a question, John. Before we even started, there was a question in the Facebook room. Because uh, as had been rumored, Discovery has gone to the Mirror Universe. And people said, so, are we going to get Mirror Universe, John, or Ken? And the question I have is, how would you know? That's very yes. clever. And I see you, you clearly had been in the mirror universe longer than I have. I, as long as I've known you, you've had the evil Ken goatee. Um, well, I've had the, I've had the different Ken goatee. You're assuming a lot to say that it's evil. Maybe it's just something you don't understand. No. Okay. Okay. So it's just a, it's a parallel universe where it's not evil. It's not the mirror. It's not the mirror evil universe. It's like the mirror emo universe. Oh, just like a misunderstood Mirror universe. Is that what we're that saying? Brings me down. I'm gonna I'm gonna yeah. sing a bunch of Morrissey songs later. Not during the nice. show. You're okay. welcome. Okay. But, Thank uh, you. Yeah. Thank you. No, no problem. So uh, as we do, we ended the show last time with a poll. Well, we began it, and we also ended it with a poll. And that poll posed an interesting question. We think it was interesting to you, our audience, which was uh, the mid-season cliffhanger: Captain Lorca, good guy or bad guy? You want to know the results? Well, I know I do. Good guy. Our, our listeners voted 62% said good guy. That's 30, interesting. Yeah. 38% said bad guy. So after Captain Lorca threw them off course because he punched in the thing, mm-hmm. it sent them flying who knows where, mm-hmm. 62% of our listeners say he's still a good guy. Yes, they do. All right. That's, that's really interesting. <laughs> I'm not saying he's not. I just, I'm, I'm surprised at how high that number is. Yeah. Um, we have a new question for this week. We do. Because, you know, we do that kind of thing. Yeah. Uh, this week, who will be the last one standing, Ash or Vok? It's kind oh. of a weird question because they're kind of the same guy, but there's a lot going on there. A lot going on there. Hmm. And so the question we put to you in the, uh, in the poll uh, starts now, actually started a couple of days ago, and we'll continue until next week's show. Uh, who will be the last one standing, Ash or Vok? Yeah, because no. it, you, you, you ask it like it's two different people. Right. But yet. Oh, yeah. It is. Yeah. But it's not. Right. But it is. <laughs> Very clever. Well, if you look this at the polls in the show, but yeah, it's yeah. Not. If but you look at is. the poll results right now, interesting, it's kind of the same spread that we had with Lorca. So Ash, you've mm-hmm. got 61%, and Vok, you got 39%. So literally a one-point difference. I think our, our audience is leaning toward the hope of good in both Lorca and Ash slash Vok. Okay. <laughs> well, we'll have to see how that turns out. Maybe they'll go back and vote later in the season. Who knows? Maybe we'll just skew those numbers. A, a uh, you know, 
something after we've seen a few more episodes. Hey, uh, just a quick reminder to everyone, if you are watching us live, very well done. Thank you for joining us live because that's incredibly cool of you. We're glad to have you here in the moment with us. And uh, we hope that you will pose questions to us uh, via Facebook or uh, call us and, uh, and use that video chat to interact with us live tonight. If you are watching the video after we go live, well, you can do that in two places. On our Facebook page, like you are right now, facebook.com slash missionlogpod, or on YouTube at youtube.com slash roddenberryprod. If you prefer to get your podcast the old-fashioned way, audio only, just like the Settlers did it, well, you can do that too. Very soon after this video is done, we will upload the audio-only version into its very own podcast feed. So you can find it and subscribe to it wherever you get podcasts like iTunes. Just search for Mission Log Live. You can also go to podcast.roddenberry.com where you can find this show, the regular Mission Log, plus our friends from Women at Warp and Priority One and, and honestly anything else that we are cooking up because, man, are we cooking. It'll all be up there. Now, the biggest reason that we do this show live is because we want to talk to you. We want to hear from you. We want to get your thoughts on what you've seen on Discovery, where it's been, where it's going. We're going to get to your calls in just a little bit. But before we do, uh, why don't we all catch up with what happened on this week's episode of Discovery? Oh, John, if you would please be so kind uh, and recap uh, this week's episode, Despite Yourself. You know what? I'll do that, Ken, despite myself. So uh, let's see, where were we? Oh, right. We had no idea where we were when we left uh, Lorca and crew at the end of Into the Forest I Go because some other place they had gone. Well, what we can gather from Saru and Lorca and everyone else doing the science is that we are in a parallel universe. Can't really say exactly what kind. Is it good or bad and made up of shiny reflective surfaces? Well, right away, they are attacked by a Vulcan ship, which is Discovery. odd. The USS Cooper calls in, offering to assist and make short work of those rebels. So here the Discovery sits in a debris field, and Ash Tyler is sent out to retrieve a Klingon computer core from a wreck, which very strangely has the corpses of a Vulcan and Andorian on board. Tyler starts to have a bit of a breakdown. He's still showing signs of PTSD and barely completes his mission, bringing home the piece of tech they need to make sense of what has happened. Back on board the Discovery, Tyler revisits the Klingon prisoner, Laurel, begging to know what she did to him. When she starts reciting a Klingon prayer about Kales, he slips trance-like into perfect Klingon, finishing the lines. But something is wrong. The part of him that we know as Ash Tyler is fighting it, and he is angry with Laurel for somehow changing him. So what did that computer core reveal? Just that in this universe, the humans are horrible, xenophobic, racist, pretty much everything our Starfleet and our Federation is not. It's so bad that the non-human species have teamed up to try to stop the threat of the Terran Empire. Oh, yeah that parallel universe. Similar people, similar ships, but evil. The Cooper swings back around to find out what's happening with Discovery and threatens to open fire if they don't respond. Lorca is ready to take the call, but in this universe, he's not the captain. It's Tilly, much to everyone's surprise. 
So she takes the call and she stalls just long enough to throw them off. So if she's captain, what is Lorca and what about Burnham? Uh, Lorca's a fugitive who attempted a coup against the emperor. Burnham was the captain of the Shinjo and sent to capture Lorca. Burnham was presumed dead, which might mean these two would be able to use that to their advantage. Here's another thing they might be able to use to their advantage. There's a tiny bit of intel they picked up on a ship uh, with a familiar name, a Constitution-class ship called the USS Defiant. It's here because of some wibbly-wobbly, timey-wimey stuff, and it might be their own method for getting home. Only problem is they need the data files from a Terran ship to make sense out of it. So how about the Shenzhou? Burnham was presumed dead, but her body was never found. In that case, Lorca would be a valuable bounty. That's not only a brilliant idea, but also crazy. So crazy, it just might work. Captain Tilly of the Discovery contacts the Shinjo, and surprise, it's Connor, who was dead in the Prime Universe, now acting as captain there. So Burnham and Lorca make a great show of it. Burnham is coming back, and Connor will deliver the Shinjo to her. You know who we haven't checked in on a while? Tyler. He's been in sickbay for a bit with Dr. Culber, and he's getting some news that he's not able to handle. Culber reveals that Tyler's entire body has been transformed. Literally, bones, skin, organs, everything. What's more, there's a personality engram overlaid on him. Culber isn't sure Tyler is Tyler. And for that, he needs to be taken off duty. Tyler takes the news about as well as we should expect. He breaks Culber's neck and proceeds to meet Lorca and Burnham for their mission. It's a warm welcome on the Shinjo. The alt crew is ready to deal with Lorca, but Burnham makes sure that they're not going to kill him. On her way to the bridge, in classic mirror universe form, Connor is determined to maintain his rank by assassinating Burnham. But if we know one thing about Burnham, she's a hell of a fighter. She takes him down and is rewarded with an epic slow clap when she shows up on the bridge with his corpse. After a long day of death and torture, Burnham is ready to retire, and in her quarters, she finds Tyler. He's emotionally shaken, like he really needs to get something off his chest. And he tells her that no matter what, no matter how they may change, he's there for her. Aw, you guys. Oh, and Lorca, set the agonizer booth for agony. The end. I will say I applaud their uh, idea in this universe of using an agonizer booth as opposed to just having people carry around their own agonizer. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And never, yeah. never made sense to me because see, I would just, I would lose mine in the wash every <laughs> single time. Not, right. not because, you know, not unintentionally, I guess would be the way to say that. Hey, let's let people know that we do not have any guests lined up tonight. So it's you, it's John, it's me. It's all of us coming together to make a show. Uh, don't forget, you can click on the Zoom meeting link from your PC or Mac. Uh, there's that phone number I gave out before, 646-558-8656. Uh, dial that from your phone, then type in the meeting code on the screen. And you can also use the one tap uh, from your smartphone and be connected that way. And um, yeah, we would love to have you join us. Uh, 
I don't know, man, we knew that there was going to be a mirror universe thing. And you just said uh, during yeah. your recap there, uh, you know, when they said the Terran Empire, yes, that mirror universe. Mm-hmm. Um, I don't think we can actually be that surprised because you say mirror universe to Star Trek fans and, and you know, pretty much everybody thinks goatees and killing and agonizers. Yeah. Um, what was your feeling though when we found out, oh yeah, it's absolutely 100%. Yes, we're in that mirror universe. Uh, you know, I'll be honest with you. I, at first, I was thinking, um, I hope this isn't just fan service. Because to me, the mirror universe is a cool idea. And we got out some interesting morals, meanings, messages by, uh, by looking at that in the original series, which we only did once. And it became so iconic that you felt like the other series just had to go back there. Uh, TNG did not. I know that Team mm-hmm. Space Nine does. I know that, um, well, Voyager plays with some ideas there. And then Enterprise really goes back there in a big way. Um, yeah. But I, I feel like, unfortunately, the mirror universe becomes this thing that's just sort of like, okay, we're going to have fun on Star Trek because everybody knows that if somebody's got a goatee, then they're evil. And we're just expected to go there. What I've been pleased with in Discovery so far, you take an episode uh, like our Harry Mudd episode, uh, Magic to Make the Sanest Man Go Mad, Mm -hmm. and you take a tried and true Star Trek trope, like playing with the reset button, playing with time loops, and you give it a really fresh coat of paint. Um, You're making it the same but different and, and different enough to keep my interest to want to see where it's going next. So I, I feel like, and I hope, even though I didn't want Discovery to just land in the mirror universe and, and hopefully not spend a lot of time there, I hope that what we set up in this episode is an exploration of um, some bigger ideas to come. I feel like we got teases of that. There are some great lines in there. You know, uh, just setting up uh, uh, Burnham saying, look, these are not us. These are xenophobic, racist, bigoted people. This is not who we are. And then uh, Tyler saying it then, however we change. Now, obviously, he's talking about himself literally, (laughs) but figuratively, I think he's also talking about the characters in the show. And... um, uh, Tilly has a great, really honest character moment saying that she's afraid because of this twisted version of everything that she has tried to be. So yeah. I hope we're, we're setting up an exploration here. We're taking it uh, from a different angle than the original series did and a different angle from the later explorations of the mirror universe. So I, I feel like this is just a setup to say, hey, look, Star Trek fans, it's the mirror universe. We know that you know what this is. This is going to be fun. But now I hope we set the stage to dig a little deeper. Yeah, the one thing I will say is you do have the... Uh, this Star Trek does have the benefit of remembering what happened on previous Star Trek, right? Mm-hmm. You didn't really have Kirk pondering the fact that there was another Kirk, right, happening in his universe, that there was an old Kirk happening someplace. Um, not that we're you know, uh, recapping the scenes from next week, but I mean, it's something that's actually spoken by Burnham, like, you know, what, maybe we all have this darkness inside us. Yeah. It's kind of an interesting idea. And we're in a different kind of TV than we were when the, mirror universe was first introduced the kind where we will actually explore whether or not there's 
was it uh, was it Steve uh, Stevie Wonder who said there's good and bad in everyone, and mm-hmm. maybe we're going to explore that on this as well. <laughs> Hey, uh, we can stop uh, asking ourselves what's going to happen, though, and let other people uh, answer questions from us and maybe ask questions as well. Uh, we have JD on the phone. JD? JD, fantastic. Hello. Hello, JD. How are you tonight? I am fantastic. How are you guys? Doing very doing well. Doing Glad okay. Trying to remember how to do a live show. <laughs> <laughs> What's on your mind tonight? Uh, well, well, I know it's kind of uh, blasphemy to say, but um, this is, I think, the first Mirror Universe episode that I've genuinely enjoyed. Uh, I mean, Mirror Mirror is okay for what it is. I think it's a little overrated. The idea was better than the actual episode, but honestly, uh, In a Mirror Darkly, I thought was pretty good um but i was never crazy about the ones that every time we went back to it on deep space nine so when uh when we heard early on that discovery was going to go to the mirror universe my initial reaction was sort of a head desk moment where i said (laughs) oh god can't we just have another series where we don't do that again but this is substantially different. Um, it, this doesn't feel like it's just necessarily showing us <clears throat> the mirror universe that we've already seen. This is actually explaining it and giving it depth that I don't think it had before. Like this isn't just the good people that we know from the prime universe doing bad things. These are the good people pretending to be the bad people and not just to fit in, but survival. Um, I mean, every time we saw it used on Deep Space Nine, it's because somebody from that side came over to this side and kidnapped somebody. Um, This is a whole different thing. And the fact that they're tying it in to the Enterprise story arc is really cool. Yeah, I I don't disagree with you, J.D. I I mean, uh, Ken and I, when we've talked about previous episodes, you know, one that comes to mind for me is the Tholian web, where I always thought that that was a much more iconic episode than it was a great episode. And I feel that way a little bit about, yeah, I, I feel that way a little bit about Mirror Mirror, where it's a very iconic episode. But to me, it it falls maybe just a little short of greatness, although there are many great things in it. And I love that final exchange between Kirk and uh, and Alt Spock. I think that's terrific. But, But that's what I liked about this, because in any other context, if somebody just said like, oh, they're going back to the mirror universe. Great. (laughs) <laughs> I, I would feel the same way. I would feel like, yeah, I'm really not interested in that. It's been done. It hasn't always been done in a compelling way. For some reason, to me, it felt like in this episode, the the stakes were different. The depth was different. And the potential for doing something about the human condition felt different. Um, am I yeah. off base here, Ken and or no. JD? <laughs> no, I don't think so. Because honestly the other times that we saw this, it was a crossover into the mirror universe where we knew that when 
the people that we knew from the regular universe were going to go back. It, it was just a foray. Nothing was going to change. When this discovery goes back to the prime universe, we don't know what that means in the overall span of things or what it means for their future because they, they mentioned the one thing where they said that that last jump brought us here and now they know <clears throat> that the results of what they found out about the, the Klingon cloaking technology, now they know it's compromised and they can't share it with Starfleet. Um, that was huge to me because I'm like, wow, this is how, this is how the writers are going to answer the questions of why there's so much about discovery that did not impact the rest of the universe. Like you think this is earth earth shattering stuff should do. Um, and yeah, I do. I feel like there's going to be, I feel like there's going to be a lot more meaning to this than what we've seen previously. Maybe I'm off base. I, I don't know. It'll be, it'll be, it'll honestly be interesting to find out. I mean, there's one thing that I'm kind of curious about. Um, the problem is we know how this ends. We don't know exactly how discovery ends, but we know how this ends 10 years from now, Kirk and right. Spock go to the mirror universe and there's still, still a Terran empire. So nothing that the discovery is doing in the Terran empire is going to get rid of the Terran empire. It would seem. Um, and then of course, no. 80 years from now, you've still got, you know, deep space nine and all that too. So, I mean, it's, it's weird to see them play in this way. That's definitely going to be something where they can really explore that sort of duality and humanity. Uh, at the same time, um, at the end of the day, um, I mean, we we, we kind of know what happens. We don't know what happens to these people, but we kind of know what happens. Um, is there is there anything else you wanted to hit, JD? Before we uh, before we get to another question. Well, um, I am kind of hoping that this nameless emperor, this nameless emperor, that nobody <laughs> knows who it is or the yeah. faceless person, right? Um, I, I've seen fan theories that say it's going to be uh, Georgiou, which would be awesome. But wouldn't they call her Empress then? I, I don't know. Um, well, she's she's faceless, but, though. I mean, she may be keeping herself. She may be keeping herself secret because, I mean, we don't know if it's a guy or a girl. Right. We don't know if it's a man uh, or a woman. We we have no idea who it true. is. She may, in fact, that be throwing true. off. She may be throwing off and saying, yeah, it's a man. So that when, you know, somebody sees her walking down the street, they don't kill her because they know that she's the emperor because they're looking for a guy. Ah, I don't know. That was, she was my ah, initial thought, but I don't, I don't know anything about it. So I can't really, um, I can't really say, um, she was my immediate thought, but then I was talking to somebody else who said, who was the woman that, um, who was the woman that Lorca was involved with in our universe? Uh, uh, uh Cornwell, Admiral Cornwell. Somebody else suggested that it might be Admiral Cornwell. I mean, my assumption is it's going to be somebody we know. If we ever see the Emperor, my assumption is it's going to be somebody that we've seen before. And so... Oh, yeah. I I don't think they're going to make up somebody new just to be the Terran Empire's uh, leader. But That'd be, that'd be kind that of lame, would, wouldn't it? I don't, <laughs> well, that would be an odd yeah. move. Um, unless we find out that that uh, that maybe it's one of Picard's ancestors or something that would be kind of cool um, that's a funny idea but that's a funny idea or put uh, Chris Pine in that's there that's ridiculous <laughs> um, but 
it, it's, it's uh, I don't know. I'm, I'm looking forward to the next episode because, I mean, we're going to see. That's one other thing we've never done in the mirror universe. We've never seen, like, we've never gone to a planet and had an adventure on a planet in the mirror universe. That's going to be kind of cool. That's interesting as well. Yeah. It's funny to me that the, there are a lot of people in the chat right now on Facebook who are saying, we want to see what the mirror discovery is doing in the prime universe, which absolutely. And then, um, yeah, I thought that too. That That's kind of cool. And then somebody asking, what do you think Captain Killy is doing in the prime universe right about now? Somebody said, uh, the obvious answer is, uh, getting Killy with it. Can't disagree. <laughs> can't disagree. So, good job there. Um, I did think it was cool to see the way the little worker bee uh, drones were out there scrubbing the U and turning it into an I, and the way they replicated <laughs> these Terran uh, these Terran uniforms. That was really cool. We're actually going to see the ship like the way we saw it transformed. I didn't expect that. That was awesome. Yeah, somebody uh, uh, w- that I was with s- described it as kind of like an Ocean's Eleven style montage of all, all the stuff leading to the heist. I love that comparison. <laughs> you know? Yeah, right? Yeah. I love that. That is pretty cool. Hey, uh, JD, thank you very much for calling in and, uh, and give us a call back again sometime, okay? Oh, I will. Thanks for taking my call. Thank you. Hey, uh, so right, John. Live long and prosper. <laughs> <laughs> live long and prosper, JD. You as well, sir. Um, you actually mentioned something that I was going to bring up because you know, people watch this show and there's you and there's me. Mm-hmm. But when they call in, uh, there's also a guy named Brandon who, yeah. uh, who you know, sort of uh, shuffles things around and, and you know, uh, irons out any technical kinks that we may have. And he actually had a question of his own, and it was basically the same question that you were talking about on uh, Facebook. Let me grab my glasses and see it. If the Discovery ships change places and universes, doesn't that mean the bad Discovery is wreaking havoc in the normal universe? Well, here's the thing. The bad Discovery hates Klingons, right? So mm, the bad Discovery mm-hmm. is still out there blowing up as many Klingons as it possibly can. Sure, I, I think I sure. said before the break that my hope is that when they get back, uh, the war's over. Yeah, right. <laughs> What if what if it's the ISS Discovery? <laughs> like, just did like, all of that. I'll take care of this, and just like blowing everything up. The only problem is, then when the when the Vulcans come to say, "Hey, good job, Discovery," then oh well, that, that <laughs> fight. Yes. My all right. So I believe I believe we had uh, Tony waiting patiently to join us. Did we? I believe we did. Is that correct? Uh, our, our technical director, Brandon. I. Okay, cool. Excellent. Tony, Tony, Hello. there he is. Uh, I've just got a comment uh, from my extended television watching experience from a dramatic uh, standpoint. You might mm-hmm. have already talked about this. Uh, when Culber got his neck disengaged, uh, I, you know, expl- expletives came out of my mouth. <laughs> uh, yeah. For the first time in like uh, years, and uh, I don't know. That's all. I just uh, it's very dramatically uh, interesting, and good, and uh, you know, I don't know. 
as a dramatic point, it was, I mean, it was definitely, it was a big point and it was a surprising point. And I don't guess we should have been surprised because he's standing there talking to a human who is very strong and is a security minded human who's also on the verge of becoming unhinged, except we also know that he's talking to a Klingon. And so I don't, I don't, I mean, you know, looking back on it, we, we can all be like, oh, I guess you could have seen that coming, but nobody saw that coming. I mm-hmm. mean, it was, it was, it was freakish and, and terrible. And, uh, and yeah, it, it completely stunned me as well. Uh, Tony, I, I wish I had been recording. Uh, I, I have the good fortune of um, uh, going every other week to a little theater, a little, little studio theater here in L.A. Uh, the people from Improvised Generation at Impro Studio have this uh, free event open to the community to come in and watch Discovery every couple of weeks. And, and Mission Log kind of co-brands it with them and with Larry Nemechek and Trek FM. And on a good night, probably have about 30 people in the audience. I wish I had been recording the audience reaction when that moment came up. It mm. was absolutely deafening. The, the sounds of shock going through the audience when Culber had his neck, as you so artfully put, disengaged. Um, Yeah, yeah, it it was shocking. And uh, it was pretty incredible to hear everybody's shock at the same time. I'm uh, I'm very curious to hear uh, where this goes next. Exactly. Exactly. Uh, Where it goes next. I I know what you're talking about. I think I know what you're talking about. So you saw the comments online afterwards, right? Yeah. Yeah. No, I haven't. Oh, okay. Tony has not. Okay. Well, do you want us to tell you, Tony, or would you rather we didn't? <laughs> no, let me ca- let me catch that for myself. Okay, very good. Okay. All right. All right. Well, then plug your ears at certain points during the show, I'm guessing, because we may have to bring it up. I don't know. We may not. We'll, we'll yeah. try to avoid it. We'll try yeah. to be oh, I see. Okay. No, spoiler-free I, I about episode, but, uh, Oh, yeah. No, it's not in the episode. It was something the writers said afterwards. But yeah. Oh, yeah. Okay. Yes. I'll, I'll put it this way. John said it perfectly. It'll be interesting to see what happens after this. Yeah, exactly. which you know, I would think that okay. <laughs> Tony, <laughs> right, thank, Tony. You, yeah. thank you very much for calling in. Sure. We really, uh, sure. we really appreciate it, and uh, do give us a call back again sometime, okay? Okay. Okay. Thank you. So we have Scott coming up in a moment, but mm-hmm. before we get to Scott. Uh, we have a little business that we need to do, don't we, Mister? Uh, don't we, Mister Champion? We we always have a little bit of business to take care of, and this business is very exciting because we're talking about something that is brand new as of now. We're we're kind of sort of breaking this, uh, yes. uh with our friends at at Eagle Moss. Have you heard of this Discovery Show that people are talking about, John? Hmm. I have a passing familiarity. Yeah. 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 It's a show. It's apparently a, it's apparently a Star Trek show hmm. and it's back from hiatus. Now time to coincide with its return. Eagle Moss wants to give Mission Log listeners a chance to check out the great big discovery ships in the Eagle Moss collection. Well, you've heard us talk about the Shenzhou and the Discovery, but a lot more ships are joining the fleet. Seven Federation ships are on the way, including the USS Kerala, the Jaeger, and the Europa, as well as five Klingon vessels, including the reimagined Klingon Bird of Prey and the Koch, how's my pronunciation there? The Koch-class destroyer. It's not, it's, it's not bad. I think the Koch was uh, captained by Call, if memory serves. <laughs> I was thinking that too. I'm Go not 100% certain, though. Here's what you'll see when you visit eaglemoss.com slash discoverystarships. 
They have renderings there that serve as the basis for the die-cast models themselves, painstakingly reproduced, as always, under the supervision of Star Trek expert Ben Robinson. Now, these are officially authorized by CBS Studios. They're about 8 to 10 inches long from one end to the other. Uh, each is hand-painted. Each is rich in detail. Um, I'm thinking about just, you know, my friends and I used to trade toys when I was a kid. And and if if there was one thing that somebody wanted, you could pretty much walk away with five toys for the one that they wanted. I can't imagine how much I would have traded uh, back when I was a kid uh, for these <laughs> things. But, of course, uh, now you just trade money, which is fine, too. <laughs> you know, <laughs> right, right. Oh, oh, and uh, magazines and stands. Yeah, magazines we, and stands. I yeah. love the magazines. You love the stands, and both come with each one of these ships. So here's the way it works: subscribers will get their very first ship, the USS Shinzo NCC one two two seven, for only nine dollars and ninety five cents with free shipping. Additional models, including the iconic USS Discovery NCC-1031, will then ship monthly for the special subscriber's price of only $44.95. That's 20% off the standard retail price, also with free shipping. Now, people who want to pick and choose their ships can do that. Uh, For that, you go to shop.eaglemoss.com. Or you can actually check your local uh, uh, comic shop or, you know, places that sell things like that. Uh, You'll pay about 10 bucks more uh, when you buy them individually. But uh, saving money isn't the only reason to subscribe. Uh, Subscribers also get free gifts worth over $100 during their subscription. And, of course, if you subscribe and change your mind, you can cancel your subscription at any time. By the way, Ken, I, I didn't share this with uh, with you, and and I'd love to share it with our audience to say that uh, in talking to the people at Eagle Moss, it's important to know that, uh, of course, the way that TV is made now, science fiction TV, you, you know, models are all visual effects done with CG. You, you don't have physical models of these anymore. So uh, what Eagle Moss actually works from are those visual effects files. So mm-hmm. it, it is absolutely the most accurate thing you can get because it is made from that actual file. It, it's, I, I can't wait to see these. Um, can't wait to show them off. They're very cool. To subscribe, eaglemoss.com slash discovery starships. Uh, to buy individually, you can go to shop.eaglemoss.com. And, uh, and as always, we do thank Eagle Moss uh, for sponsoring this episode of Mission Log Live. I want to remind you again uh, to join us. Click the Zoom meeting link from your PC or Mac, or you can give us a call, 646-558-8656 from your phone, and then type in the meeting code that you see on your screen. Uh, You can also use the one-tap form from your smartphone uh, to be connected right away. And um, somebody has done that now. Somebody is joining us. Yeah, I know. And I can't remember who, but it's going to come to me. It's going to come to me. Oh, I'm terrible. I'm I'm going to say Scott. You think it's Scott? I'm going to say okay. Scott. Yeah. All right. All right. Well, I so we don't see Scott yet, though, but we'll hold on. We'll wait okay. for Scott. What All do you right. think Scott's going to ask us? Ooh, ooh, I don't know. I don't know. <laughs> and then we also have some video questions that were submitted to us earlier. We definitely want to get to those. But okay. um, yeah, yeah. But we'll, we'll, we'll talk to Scott. We'll see what Scott has to say. Might be. I'm beginning uh, to wonder if we are going to talk to Scott. Yeah. Well, <laughs> I, I, I feel like Scott is worth waiting for. Well, my point is, I think Scott might be gone. Okay. I don't have my, uh, I don't have, okay. Yes. Scott has, 
I'm going to say something that's going to sound tragic. Scott has left us. I'm pretty sure it's Ooh. not as tragic as I make it sound. Okay. We just don't want okay. on the line anymore. But we do, have, uh, we do have a couple of video callers, as you mentioned, John. Yes, we do. Um, go ahead. So, yeah, we got videos from Andy, and we got a video from Ian. So uh, let's go ahead and load those up if we can. Uh, let's start out with Ian, if we can go ahead and run his question. <laughs> you want to go with a more philosophical question? Mm-hmm. I see mm-hmm. how you are. Yeah, absolutely. Hi, John and Ken. I like listening to your show, and I love listening to it on walks. So I thought maybe I'd bring you along on one of my walks and maybe ask you a question while I was here, since uh, that's what the show is for anyway. So my question is, what universe do you think we're living in? Are we living in one with the Federation? Or are we living in one with the Terran Empire? Or are we living in some other universe, like maybe a universe where we can never quite remember where we put our keys, and no matter where we look for them, they're always never exactly where we expect them to be? Uh, love your opinion on that. Thank you, Ian. <laughs> so what, what universe indeed are we in? Mirror universe, prime universe, the one with the missing keys, um, uh, I'm going to say the uh, the universe where there was uh, such bad, bad flooding in L.A. that uh, that I almost didn't make the show tonight. You know, that's that's a weird universe to be in. Yeah, I kind of <laughs> I almost wanted to say pass on this question. Because no, really? <laughs> there's a lot of stuff. I mean, honestly, not to be far too serious, except it is a Star Trek show. And sometimes Star Trek wants to do that. Yeah. Um, there was a lot of ugly stuff that was brought up yeah. this week. There were things that we heard that, I mean, honestly, Ian's question, huh, what was it that, that, um, what was it that Burnham said exactly? These people are, these people are mean because they live in constant fear. Yeah. I love that. I love that. She's a, a facade, a, you know, paint over the rust. Right. Yeah. Um, I would like to say that we're not in the Terran universe. That would be fantastic. Um, at the same time, uh, everybody who is sort of worried about the Terrans have all joined together. Sadly, they've joined together to fight, but at least they've all come together. Mm-hmm. So maybe even if we were in the Terran universe, it wouldn't necessarily be the worst thing if good things come of it eventually. But mm. I mean, the, the problem is I, 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 I love your question is just sort of a funny question, uh, but I can't help uh, thinking about slash worrying about you know, where we are today, which I think is half the reason you had. I mean, that's the whole reason you had the mirror universe to begin with, right? Yeah, no, I, there's, there's a, definitely a tinge of seriousness to to Ian's question. And, and yeah, that that's what kicks off the whole idea of the mirror universe. And, and again, talking about Discovery being a relevant show today, mm-hmm. uh, something that is uh, about the the political and social concerns of the people who are watching it. Yeah, you can take everything that Burnham is saying about the mirror universe and and apply to your own worldview and really take a reflective look. Say, okay, do we act like that? And are we like Tilly, who is insightful enough to say that is exactly who I don't want to be? Mm. You know, I'll uh, I'll hand it to them uh, in this respect for for being able to pull a moral meaning slash message out of that and inject it into this mirror universe for sure. 
amazingly, I am not in the universe where I lose my car keys all the time. That totally seems mm. like a thing I would do. That totally yeah. seems like a thing I would do, and yet, uh, and yet not. Sadly, I would like to be on that one because you know that maybe I would just start Ubering every place or lifting. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know, okay. but, uh, so something amazing has happened, John. Something absolutely amazing has happened. What's uh, that? Scott, like a boomerang, oh. has returned to us. Now, wait, is it Scott or is it Mirror Scott? Because maybe uh, Mirror Scott was able to get in. That's... Well, you can ask him, but I don't know if he would tell you the truth. Okay. The problem. Hey, Scott, how are you doing tonight? Doing very well. How are you? Uh, I'm doing all right. What's on your mind? Um, so I know this is a fan theory that's been going on for the whole first half of the season. And I know we've all heard it, but I want to hear your opinions with this new episode in mind about Lorca having originated from the mirror universe mm. and having come to the prime universe. And there seem, this new episode seems to be rife with options where maybe, I, I, know, I know we've all seen it thrown out there where you know, his, his coup failed, so he went to the prime universe to farm options. Um, but I want to see your take on it. I want to hear your take on it. That's what I think. I mean, I don't, I don't know. I haven't heard anything else. It, I've been thinking, though, that Lorca was the mirror universe Lorca almost since the beginning. Um, I actually think that the Lorca that we've seen may have killed the Lorca in our universe. I don't know for certain because I don't know anything for certain because I haven't heard anything about it. But I've always thought that maybe that's what he did. It explains his fascination with Michael Burnham. I've never understood why it was that he was so... Everything hinged on making sure that Burnham was safe for him, including down to when she's like, I'm the only person who can go to the Klingon ship. It took seriously like two minutes of screen time for her to convince him that that was actually the only way to do it. There's no way he wanted anything bad to happen to her. And I think it's because he needs something to happen with her in the mirror universe, uh, perhaps getting closer to the emperor or whatever is going to happen. Cause I don't know what happens next with them, but yeah, I think, I think Lorca is home. I yeah, mean, that's it, what he actually said at the end of the last episode, too. He said, let's go home. And yeah. then he took them to the mirror universe. I think Lorca is right where he wants to be and right where he belongs. And I'd be curious to find out what happened to the Lorca that was supposed to be. I, yeah. I have to agree with you. For, for a long time, I've been feeling that way. The only thing that seems strange to me, I guess, maybe tactically, and there's still more episodes to come, is handing himself over and maybe he's just he's more of a mastermind than i give him credit for and he's poising himself right where he needs to be but it putting himself in prison as one of his first moves in the mirror universe seems like a strange one hmm. well yeah i mean except he i mean he's on a ship that's captained by somebody who's actually his subordinate right i mean she's right. in for it what i thought was fascinating actually assuming he is from the mirror universe it really showed his commitment to whatever his plan is that he was willing to put himself in the agonizer because i don't know if you've heard but that's agonizing <laughs> uh, so, by, by mean, the way uh er, earl green our uh, one of our listeners here in the uh, chat he says mirror cole might be a nice guy a lounge singer drafted into war or something like that so <laughs> I, I i don't disagree with him there um no you, you bring up a great point scott i i, I think that this kind of goes back to our poll question and our last show which was you know, Lorca, good guy or bad guy. And it wasn't just he is a good guy or a mustache twirling bad guy, but is what he is up to. We know he's up to something, but is what he is up to ultimately going to be for good or for bad? We know he's not exactly who he seems to be. We know that he is pulling strings somehow to make things go the way he wants them to go. But we don't have a full picture yet. 
And, and I think that makes them one of the most fascinating characters we've had, not only on this show, but in, in Star Trek overall. That is interesting. The other part is, uh, that would interest me along that vein. You just made me think of is if he's trying to institute some kind of change in the Terran empire, other than just taking over, because at least with his behavior in the prime universe, either he adapts very well, or he's not as xenophobic as many of the Terran empire are. Yeah. I mean, yeah. His first officer is an, is a non-human. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. He, he might be, he might be cut from a different cloth. We, we, we don't know. Yeah. Yeah. I'm right. I'm right there with you on that as well. Yeah. There might be another alternate Lorca who, who's like a game show host. You know, he could, yeah, it's be all kinds of Lorcas. L- Lorcai. I would watch there. that show. Yeah. I would watch Oh, that. I would totally watch that too. I like, I like Lorcai. That's pretty good. Yeah. Thank you very much for your, uh, for your call, Scott. We really yeah, do thank appreciate you for your time. You calling in. Yeah, absolutely. You know, it's funny because you guys keep talking about like, you know, Vok the Lounge Singer and, and, you know, stuff like that. I actually, the one I was wondering about was Kodos the Executioner. Oh, is, yeah. Is he yeah. better or worse in this universe? Is he like Kodos the executioner? Because, you know, uh, there's more than one. He, he might <laughs> or, be uh, Kodos the uh, the fine art painter. You he, see, uh, yeah. Kodos, the guy who makes those really great cakes. Yeah. Is what I <laughs> Or he might be. just be Kodos and executioner. Yeah. Because, you know, there's, there's more than one. And yeah, I like that in the mirror universe. So sure. there's a lot of people creating mirror uh, versions of it. We have, uh, let's see, Vox big bites. We have, um, <laughs> some really good ones. Uh, mirror Vok is an atheist who just wants to dance. I like nice. that. Uh, wow. Vok on the wild side, uh, Kodos, the pastry chef. I mean, just so many, so many good ones that, uh, I, that come I don't know if I can take a Vok on the wild side. No, <laughs> You sure? You sure? <laughs> I don't know. Check back with me in a bit. Hey, we had another. Uh, do we want to do our other video call, or is there uh, uh, is there let, something else we wanted to hit? Let, let's go ahead and take uh, our video call from Andy. Hey, John and Ken, it's Andy Goldberg from Beginning the Trek Podcast. Promised I'd send you a video, and here it is. Here's my question: I'm looking at the current status of discovery where we are with things at the end of episode 10 and i see us in a parallel universe so not my universe with a captain of questionable ethics who may actually be from that universe at this point a first officer afraid of his own shadow a security officer who's actually a klingon agent and the supposed star of the show is a mutineer and a murderer who will basically do anything that she wants to do as long as she thinks that that it's right and i i while these are really interesting characters and the storyline is is starting to get really fascinating I'm looking for what to root for in the last part of this season. What's my, as a fan, what am I looking for? What's, am I hoping somebody gets redeemed? I don't, I don't know if that's going to happen. Michael Burnham looked about as comfortable in the captain's chair of the, of the ISS Shenzhou as she has the entire, the entire run of the show. So what's, here I am a fan. What am I rooting for? That's my question for you guys. Good luck discussing it. And uh, I'll be listening to you tomorrow. Well, I got to say, I'm, I'm kind of there with some of Andy's questions. Um, mm-hmm. Not about, not the stuff about Burnham. Uh, Cause I don't think she's quite as bad. I mean, we've talked about this before. We, we never really actually established you and I, I don't believe whether what Burnham did in uh, battle of the binary star and uh, the other one. 
uh, the very first one, the first two episodes, mm-hmm. whether or not she ended up being good or bad in that. Yeah. Um, I will say though, I don't, I don't know what or who I'm pulling for at this point. Um, we still don't know if Lorca is a good guy. We don't know if he's up to something good or if he's up to something bad. We don't know if um, we don't know if Ash Tyler is going to survive. We don't know if Vok is going to end up being um, a good person or a bad person, right? Uh, or you know, if, if he's going to exist by the time the whole thing is over. Yeah, I do kind of wish. I do kind of wish that we had um, that we had a clear idea of where we were. Yeah, because sometimes it sort of feels like we're doing like, um, I don't know, it's it's almost like, uh, you know, oh, you didn't see that coming and then you didn't see that coming. And I kind of wish I kind of want to be like, OK, I want to know where we're going now so that I can know who to pull for, as opposed to just the mind bleepery that we're being treated to. Week sure. Week week. Yeah, I, th- that's similar to my thoughts on that question as well. Um uh, it's this is clearly Star Trek that is not directly reflective of other Star Treks. And, and the only way that I can put it as kind of I did in a, another one of our conversations, which is, all right, we're going to take the Star Trek format, but we're going to put it in the most challenging thing that we can, which is this war background. Um, so we're, we're going to make our characters not nearly as comfortable as they have been in any other series that, that has dealt in the Star Trek universe. So what does that do to them? How does that challenge them? And how does it maybe compromise their morals? Um, I, you know, I, I think that Burnham is probably still the one that we're pulling for because we didn't we didn't establish from the beginning that she is doing something wrong. She thought what she was doing was right. Mm -hmm. And we can also sit here and say that captain Giorgio was right. That Starfleet doesn't fire first, but by not doing that, do they then open themselves up to this war, the, 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 this conflict that would have gotten them just blown out of the sky even sooner than they did. So I, the, I like that we started out with a question that wasn't a clean black or right, right or wrong answer. Um, mm-hmm. And like I said, at the beginning of this show, what I like about being in the universe now, at least the taste that we've been given of it is this will challenge all of the characters that we've met so far to say, okay, can they actually be the people that they want to be? Michael Burnham, uh, Andy said something about her being a murderer. Well, she had to kill Connor. She she had to kill Connor in the Shinjo on this episode because yeah. he was about to kill her. So it was it was self defense, you know. But Michael Burnham is not evil. She is not a bad character. She's trying to do the best that she can, the best that she can, given these horrible, extreme circumstances, which may all be working against her. And now everything is working against everybody because they're in a different universe. So, yeah, look, I, I, I know where you're coming from, Andy, that this is not a show with a lot of very clear-cut heroics where you go, okay, this is the captain. The captain is heroic, and every decision the captain makes is a good one. We're not in that anymore. 
And Ken, you and I haven't gotten to Deep Space Nine yet to do our, our deep dive into that show, but I know that we're going to deal with some more moral ambiguity when we get to that show. Yeah. Okay. But you do at least know who the good guys are. I yeah. mean, that is that is the one kind of weird thing. I don't think anybody, I don't think what Andy is asking is, well, why isn't our captain necessarily good? I think the question is, who's good? I mean, Saru mm-hmm. is really the only like decidedly good character so far. Except if he finds a moment's peace, don't try to take it away from him because he will try to kill you. I mean, there's nobody. <laughs> right. Tilly. Yeah. Tilly might be actually Tilly's the only. Good. Tilly and Culber. Who, yeah, well, um, no, no. I, I, would, I would say Stamets is good, too. Stamets from the beginning is a guy who said, look, I'm here for science. I'm here to explore. I don't want to be a part of this war, but I have to because that's okay. the situation I'm throwing in. That, there, there's the conflict of, of Star Trek. And I would even <laughs> say that, uh, that Burnham is good, too. She's, she's been thrown into this crap situation. Yeah. You know? We're coming close to the end of the show, but we do have time for at least one more question. We have Matt on the line. Hello, Matt. Hey, guys. Can you hear me? Yeah, we sure can. Yes. How are you tonight? Hey, great. I just wanted to uh, mention real quick, as we're talking the Mirror Mirror Universe, I wanted to bring up Star Trek Continues did a wonderful episode called Fairest of Them All, which is like a direct continuation of Mirror Mirror. Yes. And they did that brilliant thing where they recreated the last, what, 20 seconds of Mirror Mirror. They they matched yes. the shots. They, it, it was such an awesome way to kick off that episode. It was so cool. Very. Very well done. So people, you know, go to YouTube. You can watch it for free. It's, it's a really great episode. And then um, my, my real quick question is, uh, instead of jumping into the mirror universe, they should have jumped into the JJ verse. <laughs> <laughs> Mr. Saru, what's with all the lens flare? <laughs> and can somebody please turn down the lights on this bridge? Because seriously, there is not a brighter bridge. Right. Uh, in oh, that, would, that would kill Lorca's eyes. Yeah. yeah, I don't think, except for the JJ verse. <laughs> Thank you very much, Matt. We appreciate your call. You're welcome. Thanks. Good night. Thanks, man. Until next time. So really quickly, before we before we let people go, we actually had a new thing start a few weeks ago, and um, we, we've sort of been remiss in telling people about it. Yeah. Um, when we started Mission Log a long time ago, we had like five different T-shirt designs. And we were kind of excited about the five different T-shirt designs. And then I think maybe we got up to like six T-shirt designs and it kind of stopped there. We have a new uh, site that we want to tell people about and we would love for you to check it out. Um, tpublic.com slash users slash mission log. Uh, we get a guy, this guy's name is Carl. His name is Carl Huber, actually. A uh, really talented guy, really funny guy, and he does some really good work. If you remember a few years back, he actually made um, the Ditalix Mining Corporation shirts. And uh, and now he's back with a vengeance. <laughs> well, or, or he's back with more T-shirts anyway. Um, bonk, bonk on the head since 1966 is one of them. That's actually one of my personal favorites. There's mm-hmm. a fantastic shirt for Nova Squadron. Um, it's kind of funny, you know how like when two teams go to the Super Bowl and they make t-shirts for both of them and then there's a loser team and so you never see the shirt. Right. That's kind of what the Nova Squadron shirt is. <laughs> right. like, wow, right. they pulled off that thing and all five names are up there. Yeah. And uh, yeah, somebody somebody uh Someone somebody doesn't make it. those shirts. <laughs> <laughs> um I gotta say though, I love Carl's designs. And if you want to, you know, throw us a buck or two, if you want to throw Carl a buck or two, and if you want to rock some shirts that you will seriously not find anywhere else um, with a lot of inside jokes from Mission Log. Oh, there are some old favorites as well. I forgot to mention that. Cool as Kirk is up there. Ethos, Pathos, and Logos are well represented. 
Um, just some really cool stuff that we would love it if you checked it out. Uh, so tpublic.com slash users slash mission log and check back from time to time because uh, there will be more designs coming. Oh, golly, before you know it. Hey, Ken, uh, I still have our poll results here. It looks like uh, on the Ash versus Vok, who will be the last one standing? Mm-hmm. People love Ash. They think they think that uh, like uh, like an Anakin Skywalker turning into Darth Vader, they're still good in him. Sixty one percent say that Vok will be the last one standing. I'm sorry, Ash. Ash will be the last one standing. Thirty nine percent say Vok. Sadly, we're uh, we're through the show now, but I've actually thought of two more clever ways we could have asked that. Okay. Um, Ash rising like a phoenix or can't stop the Vok. <laughs> Those would have been great ways to do that. But hey, maybe we'll do yeah. that poll again next week. Uh, but clever. Yes, I like it. Mission Log Live is produced by Roddenberry Entertainment, executive producer Rod Roddenberry. Technical production on Mission Log Live by Infinity Networks, producer Brandon Bradley. Be sure to visit podcast.roddenberry.com for the latest from the Roddenberry Podcast Network, including not just Mission Log, but also Women at Warp and Priority One. We would again like to thank Eagle Moss and the official Star Trek Starships collection for sponsoring this show. They can be found at eaglemoss.com slash discovery starships. And thank you again, one and all who joined us live. And those of you who are joining us on the podcast after the fact, we hope to see you here next week. Thank you.